Hello listener, thanks very much for tuning in to the Hamden Roar podcast. I'm the creator and host Andy Barge and I promise I'll stop going on about this soon, but just a quick heads up if you're not aware, my book Charting Scotland's Return to a Major Tournament is on sale now with Pitch Publishing. It's called A Nation Again and it's the inside story of our journey back to the Euros beginning with Gordon Strachan leaving and culminating with the shootout in Belgrade and it covers everything in between. I spoke to more than a dozen members of the squad and the staff to build this story using their memories and it's on sale now on Pitch's website and at places like Amazon, Waterstones and WH Smith etc so I hope if or when the time is right then you're happy to give it a go and reminisce about what was a pretty turbulent but ultimately successful era for the national team as we found our way back to a major tournament so thanks for listening and enjoy this episode It slightly favours the right footer here but Griffiths having got the goal goes again Welcome to the Hamden Roar podcast, start of a new campaign and it started well. 3-0 win against Cyprus at Hamden, McTominay with a double after coming off the bench to add to John McGinn's opener and it was a fairly comfortable 3-0 win in the end for Scotland despite some moments of perhaps slow play during the, the middle part of the game. But we're here to review a strong start and an important second game against Spain. Delighted to be joined by Barry Anderson from the Scotsman and the Edinburgh Evening News and Callum Brown, former Livingston FC commentator, now working for BN Sports in Paris. But he's home, he's on his holidays here for the two games at Hamden. So Callum, thanks very much for taking a wee break from your break to come on the Hamden Roar. We'll come to you first. A 3-0 game that you think might have flattered us a wee bit. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. Um, just a disclaimer, I sound a wee bit like Doc Cotton at the moment. Um, <coughs> a, a, a rough weekend, but... Got a wee cold as well, but um, no, I do think it, it, it did flatter us. Um, but you know, the caveat that for me, we we dominated the game. We were, we were never really in any doubt. Um, you know, you, you get it. I say early goal, what, 20, 21, 22 minutes in, um, and I don't really think Cyprus ever looked like threatening. But you know, as we, we sort of discussed off camera, it was a wee bit pedestrian, it was a wee bit, you know, the, the, the crowd was maybe getting a wee bit on top of the players. Um, and I kind of just felt like, a, I don't know, for example, my team, Livingston, it felt like I was going to a Celtic or Rangers where the, the home team are on a hiding to nothing, really. Like, you'd expected to win, win comfortably, you know, fast, free-flowing football, but I mean, we got the job done. You can't really complain at a, a 3-0 victory um, on the opening day. And again, I don't like to come back to look how far we've come, etc. But I mean, you look at the crowd, you look at the, the margin of victory. You know, it's a game we probably, at that stage, you know, in the final 10, 15 minutes, we, you know, we've seen us drop points in a game like that before, um, where even though you're comfortable, you, you look susceptible at the back or... You know, you don't find that second and third. So um, yeah, I don't think we can be too critical, but I think, I think John McGinn nailed it in his post-match. Um, again, big fan of John McGinn. Um, 
off on and off the park. I think he he totally gets it. He's a I mean he's a fan on and off. He's a fan on the park. If you if you get what I mean, um, he wasn't playing. He'd be he'd be going to you know your Cypresses, your Georgias away, etc. So um, yeah, I think he nailed it. That he was maybe being a bit too critical, but you know we were. We were a wee bit passive. We can be better, but it was still a, a decent performance. Barry, we have a message in the mentions here from old captain Seafield on Twitter saying, don't think we got out of second gear for most of the game. At best in third, Cyprus caused little to no trouble. Does that pretty much sum it up? Yeah, I would say so. Um, I, I think it's a good thing that we didn't. we can win 3-0 and we didn't need to get out of second gear. Um, that's a positive. You can look at it that way. I think you'd have to add the fact that Cyprus are the lowest ranked team in the section, so can't get too carried away. Um, <clears throat> but I think it's, it's good that Scotland fans and players, indeed, as, as Callum referenced, John McGinn there, they're setting standards high because if this was, if you want to be a top nation, you want to think like a top nation, you need to act like a top nation. If this was Italy or France or whatever played Cyprus at home, and they won 3-0 with a performance like that, their media and their fans would be asking questions. Not that there's anything wrong with winning 3-0 against Cyprus, but when you know that you've not quite reached peak performance, then it's right to point that out, I think, and say, look, you know, it's, it, was, it was fine, it was good, it was efficient, but we can do better. Um, and I think that's what they'll look to do. It's the first game of a new qualifying campaign. There have been several months since, since Scotland had played uh, a competitive game. They had that friendly in Turkey, obviously, but... Um, the competitive side of things is, is different altogether. So um, I wouldn't get, I wouldn't certainly wouldn't upset me at all that, um, that there's a three 0 victory without getting a second gear. What about John McGinn, Barry? That's sixteen goals for Scotland now, and only let me do the maths three three and a half years since he scored his first against Russia mid twenty nineteen. It's it's sensational the impact he continues to have. Yeah, I just don't think you understand. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's terrific. Um, we, we've for long enough we complained that we don't have a regular goal scorer, and now we've got one. Um, albeit it's a midfield player and not a, a striker, Dykes has done very well himself in in recent games. Let's not forget that. But McGinn uh, is, you know, I haven't seen the Tartan Army as infatuated with a player for a long, long time. Probably since McFadden, you would say. Uh, it sticks in my it sticks in my mind that. that down in London um, for the England game during the Euros there a couple of years ago and I was standing outside King's Cross Station and the Scotland fans were arriving this was the day before, either the day before the game or two days before the game and there's thousands of them piling off the trains and all they're singing is we've got McGinn and because it's coming out of that the front of King's Cross Station it's, it's getting caught in the you know where the roof is yeah. getting caught yeah. here and the noise is just getting held in and it's better so the, the, the din was Absolutely deafening. There's people stopping and looking round as if say, "What the hell's going on here?" <laughs> letting, letting rip. It was brilliant, brilliant atmosphere. Please, let's uh, just give a bit of context as to where he stands now, Callum, in the goal scoring chart. So, anyone ever catching Kenny Dalglish and Dennis Law on thirty seems pretty unlikely, unless we suddenly get an Evan Ferguson or Rasmus. Hoyland, I think the, the young Danish boy is that's come through. He's scored five goals in his first two caps, and incredible. Um, so they're probably safe in the all-time list on thirty. Hugh Gallagher is twenty-three. Laurie, Laurie Riley twenty-two. Ali McCoy nineteen. Kenny Miller eighteen. John McGinn sixteen. It's possible John McGinn could go and get third place on his own. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, as as Barry touched on, I think James McFadden is is the last sort of player that the, the Tottenham Army were infatuated with, and again, he for me as well epitomised that sort of Scotland era where, you know, as I touched on earlier with McGinn, he's the he's the fan on the pitch. I think. Speaking from personal experience, I don't know if it's just because he scores these goals, but um, for me, I think McGinn's personality and and everything is a, a contributing factor as to why why the Scotland fans love him so much as well. Um, again, because you see him, I'm not saying I think we've got a good squad in terms of post, like like post match interviews and, and personality and things. Um, you get a lot of robotic ones, but McGinn for me is the the, the top standard where. He's honest and he, he he speaks his mind, but not on the pitch. I think, yeah, f- fantastic player. I think Steve Clark was interviewed after the game and asked about, you know, I think all McGinn's all McGinn's goals. I'm right in saying are, are under Clark. So, mm. um, but but Steve Clark was taking no credit for that. Um, but I do think he's he's semi responsible. Mm. Obviously, he was saying. Again, even if he was playing like a, a number eight role, he would still get into the box and score. But I think the way he plays as one of these sort of two inside tens or whatever you want to call it behind the, the number nine, it's been a, a revelation for him. Um, and again, you kind of wonder why he doesn't do that Aston Villa. Um, but yeah, he's he's brilliant. I don't, I don't have enough words for him. Um, just it's great to, to have that one player that, you know, to to get behind and, and similar to McFadden, although McFadden probably played in worse teams with, with worse players around him, although some weren't, weren't that bad. But um, yes, yeah, I, I don't have enough words about John McGinn. Just you, you'd be kind of being with pride whenever you mm. you speak about him, and I hope he. I don't know what's he twenty seven maybe now twenty eight now twenty eight now. He probably coming into his peak or maybe towards slightly the end but and I mean we know in modern football players can play on for a bit longer so mm-hmm. you kind of hope he, he gets another move I think he, he could go to, to better than an Aston Villa I've always wanted a, a Man United to take a punt on him even a Liverpool but um, yeah I just hope he because he, he, he's had a rough season and a half maybe with Gerard coming in and you know he was in and out the team big Aston yeah, so yeah. hopefully he can he can kick on again at club level. But yeah, top player and as I say, off the park definitely contributes to well, to that love. He scored sixteen goals then since Clark came in. The next on the list in terms of goal contributions, goal scoring contributions under Clark is Dykes on eight, and that's pretty pretty good going itself. To be honest, that that return for Dykes is decent. So how far in front McGinn is is quite sensational, especially for someone who's not an out-and-out centre-forward as well, an attacking midfielder at, at most. Um, so yeah, a quick squad update. We'll come to this probably more when we talk about the Spain game that Shankland is in. Speaking of strikers, out goes Shea Adams and Anthony Ralston, who is kind of just a fleeting visit to the Scotland camp for him this time, called up late and then leaves early. So Shea Adams out, Lauren Shankland in. Whether Shankland will, will get any game time against Spain remains to be seen because Dykes Barry was decent when he came on against Cyprus, helped set up McTominay for the for the second goal? Definitely, Andy, yeah. Um, I really like Dykes as a player for Scotland. I, I'm, I don't probably see enough of him at QPR to judge him down there, but I just like what he brings to the table. Um, his aerial presence is a good thing. Don't want Scotland to start playing high balls, but 
you know, when it goes in there, you know you've got somebody who can go in and challenge for it and and provide goals and assists like he did there for McTominay. Um, his hold up play is really good as well. If if you if you do need an out ball, you know you can use him. Um, and I just I, I would expect towards the end of that game on Saturday, Scotland changed to a kind of three five one one system. Um, with Dykes, Dykes being the highest player, Dykes being the centre forward. And I, I just got a feeling that's what they're going to do against Spain to try and nullify their midfield and try and get on top, to try and restrict space in their midfield and stop them controlling the game, which would make sense. McTominay's come on and scored twice. It'd be really harsh if he doesn't now start. And he's actually, if you watch McTominay, people look at McTominay and think that he's a holding midfielder. He's not. He's a box-to-box midfielder. He needs to play, if you're playing a three-man midfield with a a right and a left and a, and a holder in between. He needs to play on the right of that three. And that's why he got his couple of goals on Saturday because that's where he was playing. Um, and I really hope that we see him in there. If they're going to play 3-5-1-1, then I would hope you've got your two wing backs and then your three centre mids would be um, McTominay, Jack and McGregor. I think that would that makes sense in a lot of, in a lot of for different reasons. And you then, you then have McGinn and behind Dykes up top. Um I think that would then allow us to get on, try and get on top of Spain's midfield. I don't think this is a vintage Spain team. It's absolutely not. Okay, they've still got a number of players from Barcelona, Real Madrid, etc. But it's not the Sergio Ramoses and Piques and Chavis and Iniestas that we used to have. So yes, it's still a very good side. But I think if you watch that Norway game, there's there was little chinks in the armour and little little bits of encouragement, should we say, that Scotland could look at and, and try and get at them. And I hope that's what they do on Tuesday. I was speaking to a Spanish friend of mine this morning, actually, who, who was saying that he, that he doesn't really rate what Spain have done with their coaching staff. They, they've promoted their under-21 manager, Luis de la Fuente, to the that's position. Right. Luis Enrique left. And, and just looking at the team that they played against Norway, let me just bring that up here. There are players that we're all aware of, but you're totally right, Barry. It's not the the squad that dominated football for six years. I mean, Murata, centre forward, capable of scoring. You got Gabby and Danny Olmo playing on the right and the left. Olmo uh, scored against Norway, the opener. And uh, then Hossoli. Do you remember Hossoli that played for Newcastle and Swansea, yeah. maybe? Something like that. Uh, Stoke, um, years ago. He came off the bench and scored twice. So... Aigo Aspas is started in centre mid for them. And look, these guys are obviously players that have had good careers and and uh, deserve respect. But Aspas, Rodri and Marino is not Busquets, Xavi and Iniesta. And the, the point I made to you, Callum, just before we started recording was we have, we have not turned over. I, I, I don't want to use Denmark in this because although they were top seeds, they weren't heavyweights, OK? But we have not beaten a heavyweight team at Hamden since France in in 2006. So we've ran teams close. Italy just got the better of us. Holland just got the better of us. Spain themselves, Germany just got the better of us. We let the England game slip. The only team that have thumped us is Belgium. Eh, Belgium. So this, I, I would still class Spain as a heavyweight nation, Callum. This feels like as good an opportunity as we're, as we're going to have for a while and have had for a while to get the better of one of Europe's most prominent sides on our own patch. No, um, hundred percent. We were we were discussing it off, off air kind of thing, um, and 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 we said 
similar to what Barry said, um, that they aren't they aren't what they used to be. Um, and we've again, you don't want to you know kind of touch wood, but they, as I said, you know they aren't what 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 they used to be, and we both kind of had that feeling that we are due one, and you know, the the way we've been playing or or the way we can play, and you know. Steve Clark's organisation and things like that is probably the perfect opportunity for him. Um, and I think, again, off the top of my head, <clears throat> I don't think Clark's had the chance against a, a top, top nation. Um, we, we've not really been able to see, um, albeit, uh, and, and when he has, England, he, you know, we've we've gone down to Wembley and nullified them. Albeit I mean, technically a neutral venue, but we all know that wasn't the case. Um, Croatia again for large spells. I thought it was I mean, maybe first half in that game. You know we, we did okay, but I wouldn't say they're a, a heavyweight. They were obviously better than us, but um, I do think that you know with a, a pretty much full squad now, um, and you know positive signs we've we've seen. You know, four four years of Steve Clark now. We know he's a sometimes to his detriment gets you know criticism for kind of being a, a negative or a defensive coach, which you know maybe maybe it's fair. I think it's it's slightly harsh, but um, I think it's it's the perfect game for for us. It's I don't want to say a free hit um, at all, but it's something that the, the pressure won't be on Scotland to go out and, and get anything, um, and I think. Again, as we touched on, Andy, I've got a, I've got a feeling that this squad are capable of doing something special. Barry, it will be difficult to to break Spain down. They're likely to have more of the ball than us, and the, therefore the chances that we will have to go and hurt them might be limited. So, if we can't do it in open play, we might have to rely on a set piece, which we've been pretty good from recently. Mm-hmm. But quite a lot of people in the mentions bringing up that they were poor on. On Saturday, um, crosses uh, from wide positions in general were overhit or underhit, and the corners didn't really lead to any opportunities uh, whatsoever, which has been unlike us, especially since Austin McPhee came into the, the coaching staff. I'm thinking Ukraine, uh, 3-0 game last year when Dykes got a double. John Sutter finished off the rehearsed move against Denmark the year before that. Um, do you think this is something that we might need to make sure we're on it? Um, at the weekend because who knows how often or how many chances we'll get to break Spain down from open play um, we, might, we might need to rely on our prowess from set pieces should we get them Yeah it's a good point Andy I think um, one of the bugbears we're playing three at the back and wing backs is that you very often lack width in the final third when you get there and that's certainly an, an issue that Scotland have in open play is not having a, you know even one winger to try and feed and, and get you know isolate a full back and get one v one, so yeah, I, I definitely think that the set pieces will be important. Set pieces are, are as important now in football as they've ever been. You know they're a huge part of the game, and that's why you have all these set piece, set piece coach, coaches at different clubs, and obviously now with the national team as well. Um, I think one of the factors on Saturday would probably have been that when McTominay and Dykes weren't on the park, we lack height. You know, we're quite a small side without those two. And in previous games, when we've done well from set pieces, it's tended to be one of those two who's been involved, or possibly Grant Hanley, you know, who's been involved in winning headers at the back post or knockdowns or whatever. 
Um, so without them on the pitch, trying to exploit a set piece is is a lot more difficult. Um, even like to Nathan Patterson, who's quite a quite a big lad, I would say generally, if he's not on the pitch, that's another little uh, height disadvantage for us. But I don't think Spain are a particularly big team either. Um, so yeah, if, if we've got both Dykes and McTominay on the pitch from the start, which I, I would expect we will have after Saturday, then then it gives us a real opportunity, I think, from corners and set plays, and they do need to be better than they were at the weekend. Time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm pretty sure Dykes will, will be in surely that he'll start over Shanklin's um up yeah. front. You know, with, with Adams so. being out injured. So Dykes will start up front, I'm sure. The, another potential change, maybe Barry, um you, you brought him up there, would be Nathan Patterson. Now Hickey, I thought, was was fine at the weekend. I didn't think he was superb, didn't think he underperformed either. Thought he played fine. I do feel he is slightly more stunted as an attacking right wing back than Nathan Patterson is. Nathan Patterson's very uh, gung-ho and direct from right wing back. So we do have more of an attacking set down there with him in the team. Is Spain the time to utilise that with Hickey probably being known as a better defender than Patterson? Yeah, you're right. I think Patterson's more of a driving force. And that's the that's the kind of thing that we need in the final third. If you can get a wing back who's got that that pace and and that engine to to be both a right winger and a right back at the same time, that, that's that's what they need to be. I think it probably with Patterson, it probably come down to match sharpness because he hasn't played competitive. I think his last competitive game for Everton was the third of January, and then he's come on at the weekend there, and that that's a huge gap to try and bridge, you know, in terms of fitness. So be up to, to the Scotland staff to decide that. But I do agree with you. If, 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 if Hickey and Patterson are both fully fit and playing regularly for the clubs, I think yeah, I think Patterson just edges it probably for that um, tenacity down the right side. Callum, have a message in the mentions from SPFL Fitbit fan. Actually, um, they, they bring up the, uh, the corner routine as well, but they go on to say Hickey was excellent. However, we'd like to see him take his man on uh, and get crosses into the box. Did you feel that Hickey maybe second guesses um, or is hesitant to go, to go and take his man on it and try and set up opportunities for the attackers? Yeah, I think definitely he's not not as good at, at it um, as as Patterson is. Um, as as Barry touched on, I think if they're both fully fit and, and playing regularly, I think Patterson just edges it. But there was a moment um, on Saturday. I think Hickey 
It's a weird one. He's kind of, I'm not 100% on the word, he's maybe ambipedant, where it's like, kind of both, you're, you're both footed, really, just as, as strong as the other one. And it's a weird one where he, he uses his left foot more to, to kind of come inside, but he's equal, you know, he can, he can go on to that right foot. Um, but I think he kind of, defenders don't really know what to expect from him because he looks like he's left footed that he's going to cut in, but then he can go outside you as well. Um, kind of like an, an inverted winger, if if you will. But yeah, he, he cut inside on, on the left and then went back to the right, had a shot at goal. Um, I think won a corner from it. But yeah, it's, he's definitely, I think he would, he would be more more suited to the the Spain game. Maybe maybe defensively, I think they've got is it Alex Balde down the left? He's a you know high flying left back. I think they they played with a four against um, Norway, but I mean a, a four for Spain. You're you're going to have the two centre halves sitting, and the the full backs will be like wingers. Um, so you know probably you're probably leaning towards maybe Hickey for that one. But as as Barry said, I totally agree that. Maybe Patterson's fitness or, or lack of match sharpness will come into it, but again, not to not to sit on the fence, but I, I genuinely think it's very very close between them, and it's just fantastic. Now you know we had that right back problem for for such a long time, and you've got I mean Ral- Ralston dropping in and out the squad, Calvin Ramsey injured, for example. You know guys like this, Max Johnson coming through at Motherwell. You know you've got. Very, very good options at, at fullback. I kind of said on on the last podcast as well. You just wish there's more kind of forward players coming through. But um, you know, you've got two very, very capable Premiership right backs. And mm. you know, if you'd have said that a few years ago to 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 the three of us, you know, we, we maybe would have laughed. But um, not not Tony Robertson level, of course, on the left. But again, two very, very good yeah. young as well Premiership right backs. Let me put this to you, Barry. It's a, a point that's made by Glenn Schroeder in the mentions. I was going to bring it up anyway because I felt this is this has been uh, developing for for a wee while now. Um, he says the atmosphere was really stale, especially for a Saturday afternoon game. I have felt recently that as as a crowd, we we have tended to only really get vocally behind the team when things are absolutely going our way. As soon as there's a bit of doubt or hesitancy creeping in the team, that translates onto the stands and vice versa. I think tomorrow against one of Europe's best teams in an evening game, um, I I think it probably will naturally bring a bit more oomph to the occasion. But have you noticed generally recently and, and on Saturday it just being quite quite quiet at Scotland games, and part of the reason I would put that down to is we can fluctuate between two songs really, between the John McGinn one um, and Flower of Scotland. Sometimes the McTominay one, but but we we don't really seem to have much um, in our lungs at the moment as a as a as a group of support. I would feel. Yeah, um, I'm not entirely sure why that is. I think there's 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 a lot of younger people getting involved in the Tartanami these days, and that's. Terrific. Um, I don't know how many. It's hard to say. You'd have to do a, a, some kind of poll and research on how many are Scotland Supporters Club members and how many are not. Um, I definitely think Saturday's issue would have been the, the firstly the opposition side for a big sexy name. So there's not you know people aren't going to be you know right up for it as soon as you walk through the turnstile. 
it was evident early on in the game that Scotland were in control and would have the majority of the ball. So people would have noticed that as well. And it was a it kind of had a bit of a formality look to it that, you know, we get a goal here, that'll be us, that'll settle us down, we'll get a second at some point and that'll kill it dead. And we were a little bit later in getting the second. But um, And I think that was a factor as well, probably how long the second goal took to come. And we weren't... It wasn't a free-flowing performance. We weren't creating chance after chance, you know, every few minutes, balls into the box and headers and shots and stuff. So that that's always a contributory factor. But I certainly think Tuesday night will be different. Um, midweek games are always a little bit more special, I think, uh, under the floodlights. Spain is, is obviously as big a name as you're going to get in world football. So, yeah, I hope, hopefully it's a lot better. Callum, you are part of that younger generation I suppose not to, you must be in your early to mid twenties. Yeah. Yeah. So have you have you, have you have you have you noticed this at all in your in your kind of crowd or your group chat at, at all? Is it, does anyone speak about this? Um I think Saturday we, we, we did we did definitely notice it. Um I think before the game was good and during it was good as you can you can maybe hear. <laughs> but um no I think yeah I Again, you, you touched on it with the, the songs. I think as much as we love McGinn, I think it's, it's very much one song. You get Flower of Scotland and McTominay, as, as Barry said as well, but there's not a lot of songs for different players. And mm-hmm. we're, we're very much just a, a couple of couple of songs in the songbook. But I do think that the, you know, opposition and, and time, et cetera, was a factor. Um, again, I don't like to come back to to Scotland, but I would kind of reference it as it was maybe a, a, a one of the old farm at home to a Livingston, a St Johnston, whatever. Whereas, again, Barry says, flood, under the floodlights on Tuesday, it's again we're, we're not we're not in international football. What Celtic and Rangers are up here, but it's more of a more of an old farm type type atmosphere. You know, it's going to be everyone's going to be up for it. Everyone's going to be thinking we'll need this atmosphere against Spain. That's our so we're twelfth man, if, if if you know what I mean. Um, whereas we should we should be expected to to beat Cyprus regardless of the backing from the stands. Um, and I think it probably had to be earned on on Saturday. Um, you know, you get the early goal, and it was maybe because it was so comfortable. The reason it was it was that flat, but you know, it got a bit better. You know, the second and third, and getting the McTominay song was going, and it was a lot better towards the end. But um, yeah, maybe a wee, a wee freshen up of the song that needed, but really, really looking forward to Tuesday, and I think, I think it will be a, a much, much better atmosphere. One thing to touch on would be Scotland playing with red socks again. I was trying to think when the last time we would have seen that, Barry. My, my mind took me probably to Levine, if I made that up. Uh, yeah, I think the the first strip that Adidas produced for us had red socks, am I right? Which was, I can't, it would have been around Levine's time. I can't remember if he was actually in charge. Would it maybe have been even the last around the last time we played Spain at Hamden? Yeah, a 3-2 game, yeah. The 3-2 match. Uh, yeah, yeah, we did. We had red socks on that night. So, um, yeah, it would have been around 10 years ago. It looks good. It looks good. It does. It looks better. It, it, I just think it looks more traditional. I just think a Scotland strip, dark blue top, white shorts, red socks, that's what I would always identify with Scotland Strip and I think probably a lot of people my generation the older folk uh, would would think the same I think even, even, even the generation um, 
I know there's probably sponsorship deals or whatever and, and kit deals that have already been made, but again, it's been flying around group chats and it's all over Twitter, but everyone's, again, myself included, going, this should be the the top for the, the whole campaign. I think we're going to wear it two matches, next one against England, and I think the women are going to wear it for one game. But, I mean, that, that'll be it. And I think it's just a, I know it's a special edition kit, 150th anniversary, but I just think it's a wee bit of a waste. Um, you know, and not to be superstitious, we've just won 3 0 in it, but um, <laughs> like, why, why not? I know there's there's obviously political, whatever reasons in, in terms of the SFA, but um, yeah, it's just going to annoy me. We're now going to go out in a totally different kit, won't be as good, you know, and we, we, we all know the Tartan Army that will. That'll be a factor in, in the defeat if, if if we get beat. Let's uh, let's have a wee chat about Gunn. There's not really much to mention, Callum, because he barely touched the ball. A couple of routine saves. He's, he had a wee stumble at one point in the edge of his box, which was uh, amusing. But it's hard to judge him on that, isn't it? I don't think we can say he has grabbed the gloves um, based on that performance. But I think the fact that he was chosen ahead of the other two, Clark and Kelly, probably says all we need to know about Clark's intentions. Yeah, it speaks volumes. Um, again, there was that debate as to whether he would have he would have come to Scotland if um, Gordon wasn't injured, if he wasn't guaranteed the game time. I mean, that's all speculation, but I do think for me he was the, he was the standout. Um, I know Barry covers hearts and, and I'm a big fan of Xander Clark as well. Obviously, I, I know Liam Kelly from, from Livingston. I think he's a top keeper as well, but you know, for me, we can get into the standard uh, the Scottish football compared to the English Championship, which you could split into different sort of tiers in Scotland or whatever. But I do think Gunn is the the superior goalkeeper. Um, you know, top top end of the Championship. He's played Premier League before. Um, but, you know, as you say, it's, it's difficult to judge. Um, I'm not saying Clark would have gone off training. Um I don't know how much you can prove you're a, a much better goalkeeper in, in four or five days or whatever it was. But yes, yeah, it's, it's tough to judge, but you know, it's a, a clean sheet. Tough to be tough to be critical, minus the, the slip, which as you touch on was was a bit of a heart in the mouth moment, but you know, we laughed about it about five seconds later. Um but yeah, here's hoping he can he can put in a good performance uh, tomorrow night. Yeah. Well, he'll be the number one tomorrow. Barry, what about the fellas in front of him. Tierney's got that nailed down. Grant Hanley probably has that nailed down. How close is Ryan Porteous to making a Scotland starting position at his own? Jack Henry's injury probably influences things this time, but another decent performance to follow up a really strong debut last year. Yeah, I think he's, for tomorrow anyway, he's he's an automatic starter and then I don't think you could justify leaving him out after Saturday's performance. And I know obviously the the one against uh, Ukraine as well had a, a bearing on that. So it's been really good. Ryan Portis, I think um, going down to England will obviously help him develop and, and make him a better player, apart from just the life experience he'll get of just moving out of Edinburgh and being away from home. So that'll be a, that, that'll help him push on. Um, I just think he's got, he ticks all the boxes, you know, he's pretty quick, he's decent in the air, he's good with the ball at his feet. It's very important when you're playing a back three that your outside centre-backs are comfortable with the ball at their feet and can feed into midfield and, and initiate attacks from there and Portis does that well. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, I think Henry, I think it's probably quite clear that so far, uh, Henry, the, the Henry Hanley Tierney combination is Steve Clark's first choice if he's got everybody fit and available. Um, but I would suspect that Henry's probably got a little fight for his fight on his hands for his place back at, uh, at the moment. Anyway, it depends what happens between now and the next get together. But right now, yeah, um, you've got to say that Portis is in very good form and rightly so should be in the team against Spain. Do, do you know what I, I noticed about Portis at the weekends, uh, Barry? My, my seats and the 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 Westland, um, kind of at the the join of the north and the in the west. And when I was watching Portis. So from behind that net, when I was watching Porteous pass balls out to the right to Hickey, he's he's not afraid to put a bit of zip on it and and yeah. trust Hick and trust Hickey to control the ball. Or even when he was firing it into midfield to to McGregor, um, he trusts himself to have the accuracy while kicking the ball quite hard, uh, and trusts his teammates who are technically adept to bring it under control and get things going with a wee bit of urgency from the back. Quite often, a criticism of of Scotland has been, you know, the sideways passing too slow. It's laboured. Yeah. I don't think Porteous really abides by those rules. I think he's keen to get the ball forward, and when he does it, he does it with a bit of verve. Yeah, absolutely. He's got an aggression about him when he's when he's got the ball at his feet, um, which is important. And he's, he wants to try and break the lines. And if you're going to break lines, especially against top quality opposition, you need to be able to fizz the ball in and, and accurately so into somebody's feet. Um, equally if you're playing it out to a wing back you've got to be able to play it with a bit of pace just slightly ahead of them so like, they can move on to it and they're, you know, they only need to take one touch and they're away down the line if you play it behind them that stands to reason they obviously have to go back and take two and three touches so he, he fully gets the, the impetus side of things and what's required I've been really impressed with him um, and, I, and I think long term I think he, he will be a regular player in that defence whether it's on the right of the three or potentially even in the middle um, time will tell as it develops, you know, as it goes forward. Callum, how do you feel about Portis? We've got Gordon Sheer, um under his tartan scarf alias and the mentions saying uh, that Portis was immense against Cyprus. He, he wasn't troubled too much, but when he was in possession and, and had to get things going, he, he did impress. Yeah, no, I, I was I was really, really impressed with him. Um, again, was that two games now, two clean sheets? Um, I mean, you can look at Cyprus as the level of opposition, but... As Barry kind of mentioned, again, you could you can maybe say you know for a centre half it's it's easy not to pass sideways or backwards, but I think it's the it's the level or the maybe the distance of the the passes forward. You know, as as Barry was saying, it's into Hickey or there's a few times he played into McGinn or Armstrong. You know, it's it was really forward thinking. He's not just you know he's not playing it five yards forward into one of the central midfielders. He's properly, you know, it's progressive passes. Um, I think, as well, you don't want to applaud somebody for getting a yellow card, but I think his foul is actually very important. Um, I'm not sure if it's him that loses the ball or somebody else, but somebody jinxed by him. And, you know, I think it was a, maybe a 2v1 in a, a wide area. I could be wrong with that, but it was, you know, heart and mouth moment at 1-0, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, Cyprus didn't really threaten at all, but... Um, they, they had broke forward and did look threatening. Maybe a 70-80 minute mark. Um, and he, he hauls the guy down, not afraid to to get a booking, as, as we know from his time up here. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I've, I've been really impressed with him. I've, I wouldn't say I've been vocally critical of him, um, but 
he he definitely I was one of the people that that he won over in in Ukraine purely for the fact that you know watching him um, for for my club you know against us I think he always had a mistake in him um, but you know he's he's come on leaps and bounds and as you as you say you know Tierney Hanley Hendry's probably Clark's first choice but you know as as time goes on you're maybe thinking Tierney Hendry Porteous or you know you depending on who's centre and who's right but mm-hmm. that looks that looks bright certainly for the for the next few years which again it would be harsh harsh well, that. that is fine that's with Portis that's the thing if, he, if as long as he's focused and he's concentrating on his football there's, he's a very very good defender oh definitely definitely and yeah it's, it's promising again I touched on it with the the right back situation you know we're, we're now debating between two premiership right wing backs now you know, Porteous gone down to the the championship, taking it taking to it like a duck to water. So um, yeah. and you'll only kick on as well. Yeah, and then Jack Jack Hendry, if when he he can get back to hopefully playing good consistent club football, if John Suter can maintain his fitness um, next season at, at Rangers, uh, who will probably be playing in Europe at some level as well. So yeah, fingers crossed that we'll be strong in the right centre back area. It was desperation time. Uh, Kenny Miller was really feeling the wrath of the fans. <clears throat> this is interesting, Malky, because we know what happens at the end of this little run. He scores a goal, but just listen to the fans on this when he actually gives the ball away, not just once, but twice. Yeah, um, it's, it's unfortunate. And, and, you know, that's one of the few occasions in the evening where the, the Scotland fans did vent their frustration because, to be fair, right to the 97th minute, they were, they were real behind the team. But... Um, as strikers will tell you, you know, one minute they're, they're miskicking something, the next minute it's in the top corner, my hero. Um, we get the ball in here. Barry Robson again does great on the, the left hand side. Not a great header, but I tell you what, on his left foot, it's a, it's a great finish on target from there. Other changes to the team for, uh, for the Tuesday game against Spain then. So Adams out injured I think he was clattered by Alex Gogic I think that's how the injury might have come around it was a, a strong but fair challenge from, from Gogic um, I don't think it was really his his day anyway Barry Shea Adams he, he was he was quite quiet um, to be honest up there yeah um, again didn't really get a lot of service through uh, from midfield and, and the wide areas I touched on earlier I just think we lacked width and uh, going forward in the final third, so that was a factor as well. Um, Adams is a, a Adams to me seems better when Dykes is beside him because you've you've just got a the, the different attributes up there from the two of them, and they can both feed off one another. Um, without Dykes, I don't know if he's a lone striker, you know, and I don't think he's got enough attributes to be a lone striker. That's not a criticism of him because I think he's definitely worth. Starting place with Scotland, I just like when they've when they've played a sort of three four one two. Um, I think likes of what we did against England at Wembley. We had Dykes and Adams up top. McGinn was in behind, very very effective. Um, and he had a good game that night. And I think generally that probably suits him better. I think the the lone striker role he's asked to do a little bit too much is probably a wee bit unfair. Um, and Dykes has the same issue. The lone Dykes has got different attributes to to Adams. Playing as a lone striker as he probably will tomorrow doesn't actually suit him because he needs somebody to to win uh, to to get onto the flick ons that he wins 
and be there when he chests the ball down or run off him for a, a first-time pass out wide or something like that. So, yeah, it's a difficult role, I think. In modern football, being a lone striker is difficult. And in international football, it's even more difficult. Is who will play off dykes is probably the big question. A few people in the mentions, um, including Joe McCall, saying Jack out for McTominay. But Barry, from what you were saying, it would be Armstrong out for McTominay and McGinn would be on his own behind Lyndon Dykes tomorrow night. Because Armstrong uh, it was was all right against Cyprus. He only had one of those, you know, ex- explorative runs where he spins away from someone and suddenly just gracefully strides past two more people and all of a sudden he's on the edge of the box. And I think it was when he either slipped in Robertson or he was tackled and the ball fell to Robertson and, and Robertson blazed it from about eight yards from a tight angle. That's that's the sort of thing, Callum, that 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 uh, Armstrong can do. But much like Armenia away last year, where he did it a couple of times and he scored, it, it's quite rare in a Scotland shirt to, to see Armstrong really show that prowess that he's got gliding forward with the ball um, and an end product coming with it. Yeah, I, I like Armstrong, but again, he's he's probably one for Scotland to unless it's against the, the the smaller nations, I think he probably very, very harsh, but sometimes does flatter to deceive um in the, the bigger the bigger moments, the bigger matches. Um yeah, Armenia he was brilliant. I thought he was actually very good on Saturday. Um but I think he can be a bit wasteful in, in you know more the bigger games. Um especially tomorrow night when we're going to not uh, Again, I'm, I'm tempting fate, but you're probably not going to get many chances if you are going to go and get a point or, or win the game. You know, I don't, I don't see Scotland getting five or six clear-cut chances and, you know, you're, you're maybe wanting a McGinn or a, a Christie on the edge of the box with the potential to feed a ball through or, or have a strike at goal. Again, maybe that's very harsh on Armstrong, but I, I'm, I'm, not against, I'm not against Barry's shout of the... The, the kind of flat three in midfield but I was saying to you kind of before we came on Andy that for me again it's it's fitness permitting isn't it whether Patterson's fit enough again that's not a, a I'm not too fussed who plays at the right back but for me the team that I would start is the team that ended the game against Cyprus so that and then you'd maybe have that box where McGinn and Christie and, and McGregor and McTominay are just a wee bit deeper Again, that's that's maybe harsh on Ryan Jack, and you you said before Andy that you wouldn't understand why Jack started this game if he wouldn't start Tuesday night. Um, but I think Christie and McGinn a wee bit further forward, and McGregor and McTominay as the the two number eights or or whatever, if you will, maybe even sixes at times. Or again, you've got the potential to change from that box to a diamond, play one of them deeper. And you can you know, allows you a, yeah. a body because we know Spain's midfield is, is very good. But yeah, I think the, the options are there. Again, don't want to be too ultra positive, but you've got strength and depth on the bench. We've not even touched on Gilmore and Ferguson. So I think it says well, it all. Well, what about Armstrong for you, Barry? Is, is the Spain game tomorrow one that suits him or would would Scotland be better served switching up, like Callum said, and, and maybe playing uh, Christie or... Or switching the attacking setup slightly. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I try to just think clearly here. I would just, I would probably expect Clark to 
to to set up that kind of three five one one that I've mentioned. And I wouldn't expect Armstrong to be in there if I'm being brutally honest. Not that I don't, not that I don't think he's good enough to be in there, but I think there's other players probably better suited to that. I think it probably depends what he intends to do with McTominay. If he starts McTominay, I think it's probably instead of Armstrong. And you then set up your, your central midfield three, McTominay right, Jack centre, McGregor left, and then McGinn just ahead of them and Dykes up top. Um, he could, if he's not starting McTominay, then you're probably looking at bringing McGinn back into the central midfield three and Christie in behind Dykes. So if you're, if you're, uh, you know, that's probably the other option that he's got. That'll be the, the dilemma. I think the rest of it stays the same. For by maybe, as we've mentioned, Patterson, other than Hickey, you know, Patterson instead of Hickey, should I say? That'll depend on Patterson's fitness, but um, I don't think there's a, there'll be a lot of changes. I think one, maybe two maximum. Christie did well when he came on, telling me that he mm. doesn't get the assist for McTominay's first goal, but it was he who won the ball out in the rights and had the composure to go and keep it in play and then cross it in for, for Dykes, who did well to nod it down for, for McTominay. Christie's one of these guys that no matter how much game time he seems to get at club level or for Scotland, he always seems to do well for us. Yeah, no, you, you took the words out of my mouth there in terms of in terms of the game time, I think. With when 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 this squad was announced, I think game time was a big factor in in terms of criticism of the squad. And you know, you've got that continuity. Everybody knows what Christie can do. I don't doesn't concern me that he's not playing at Bournemouth. I think you've got to look as well at the level that some of these guys aren't playing at. It's not as if they're you know they're they're not playing at, at Sterling Albion. You know they're they're not playing at, at Premier League clubs, um, or they're getting the odd minutes here and there. But I think we, we know what Christie can do. He's, you know, produced a, a couple of very, very big moments for Scotland. Um, and yeah, you know, he, he, I, don't, I don't know exact minutes, but maybe what, 10, 10, 15 off the bench, maybe even 20, I'm not, I'm not 100%. But again, we, we saw what he can do. He's involved in that second goal. And he's very, although he's an attacking player, maybe a, a number 10, however you want to call it, He's very, very defensively switched on. And I think, especially against the Spain, that's that's going to be important, you know, pressing from the front. And I think Christie's very good at doing his defensive work. Um, kind of the, the the untraditional sort of, he's got the flair, he's got the skills, but, you know, you, you very rarely see those kind of players with the grit and determination. And I think I think Christie, Christie ticks all the boxes and, Again, he's he's one of these as well, similar to McGinn, where you know he's extremely passionate and he's you know he he leaves everything out on the pitch. Not saying that that no other player does that, but you know he kind of is a is a heart on the sleeve type type player. Um, he doesn't care about you know getting stuck in and, and doing the nitty gritty, as well as having that ability to to thread the ball through, score a, a world day, few step overs, etc. Trying try to think, Barry. When was the last time we opened a campaign with two wins? My, my mind is taking me back to under Walter Smith, Peros and Lithuania. I didn't I didn't do any research on this before the pod. It's just popped into my head there. But under Levine, Burley, Strachan, don't don't think we did. Euro twenty sixteen qualifying was no, we got beat by Germany. Uh, World Cup twenty eighteen. 
No, we didn't. Uh, Start that campaign, yeah. World Cup 2018. Scotland don't often string two two wins together. You know, if you take this recent run of Steve Clark's out of the equation, it's not it's not a years. Um, let me see here. Group F. Uh, no, we drew with Lithuania. Remember. Um, yeah, that's right. We we beat Malta 5-1 away from home and then drew 1-1 with Lithuania. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think it might be, unless anyone um, who's listening can you know, point us in the right direction, I think it might have been the group where we had France and Italy, where we won our opening two games against the Faroes and Lithuania. So, on that note, tomorrow, do we have to... Well, players will always say it, yes, we can beat Spain. But looking at it, can we beat Spain? For me, yes. We, we, I'm, I'm always overly positive at, at times, um, particularly because of the, the Spain team, as we, we said earlier. The It's not the absolute cream of the crop that Spain have had down the years. So for that reason, I think I think they look, there's, there's vulnerabilities in there, particularly at the back. I don't think the midfield is, um, has got the, the legs in it that you would want of a top-class international midfield. And I think that Scotland can get in about that and, and unsettle them and stop them getting into a rhythm. If if there's a, a, an aggression and a press and everybody's got their individual man, if you like, to try and stifle. If we go about it that way, then yeah, I think we've got a chance. I'm a little bit concerned about the pitch um, because if you're going to beat Spain or any, any top international team, you have to be able to keep the ball and be incisive with it and if, if the pitch is going to cut up like it was doing on Saturday that makes that a bit more difficult in terms of stringing passes together and keeping possession so I'm a little bit concerned about that um, generally speaking you would look at it and say oh, Spain are playing Scotland so there's only going to be one winner and yes that's probably at the back of my mind as well so I'm probably kind of 60-40 of me is saying Scotland can do this and the other 40%, 40% is saying behave yourself so that's where I am at the moment <laughs> Run through the, the Spain team that started against Norway. Kepa and goals is a 4-3-3 formation. Kepa and goals. Defensive Danny Carvajal of Real Madrid. Nacho of Real Madrid. Americ Laporte of Man City. Uh, Balde of Barcelona. Rodri of Man City in midfield with Marino, who is Real Sociedad, and Aspas, who I think is Celta Vigo. Yep. And then... Marata up front, flanked by Gabi from Barcelona and Olmo from Leipzig. So they're elite teams represented throughout that 11 column, yet we all feel quite confident. No, I was just laughing there. Um, <laughs> kind of caning, caning the Spain team, but you, you look at all those, <laughs> listen to all those clubs. Um, but no, it's, again, as Barry kind of said earlier, um, it's not what it was. It's not your Chavis and Iestas, etc. I think especially defensively as well. You know, Nacho's kind of one of these bit part players at, at Real Madrid. I think maybe 32, 33 now. Um, he's never had pace anyway. Um, so he's maybe one that that you would you would like Dykes to play off. I could be wrong, but I think he's got a wee bit of a, a temperament as well. Um, so, you know, he's maybe one, as I say, Dykes can play off, wind him up. Um, the crowd can, you know, can can get us up the park type thing. Um, it's tough. As I, I, I'm, I'm with Barry. Like, maybe, maybe even more. Seventy percent of me saying 
we can do it. Um, and thirty percent of me is like get a grip, but um, no, I would I would counteract that with. Should we be expected to beat Spain? No, absolutely not. Um, but we, we're we're more than capable, I think. Um, and yeah, that th- th- this this squad has done a lot of good things. Um, and Tuesday night could be when you know we we go to that next level, like we did against against Denmark. Again, you could you could probably say you know it was the, the last game, and and they'd already qualified and and whatever, but. You know that night we we didn't just beat Denmark. We we played them off the park. I'm not trying to compare compare the two nations. You know Spain have just gone and beat Norway three now, um, so they're obviously very very capable. But and this Norway know, team yeah. looks pretty good as well. Callum, I was just having a wee look um, at who else plays for them when it was announced that Haaland was injured. And again, it's just good European teams sprinkled throughout. You you might even have commentated in their left back this season. Melling plays for Ren. Yeah, he was uh, he was against PSG last week. Yeah. Um Ostergaard, centre back from Napoli. Uh Nyland, the goalkeeper, plays for Leipzig. Uh I've I've not actually heard of this guy before, but our Aursness, I think it is his name, Frederick Aursness, plays for Benfica in the last eight of the Champions League. Um we've got Odegaard for Arsenal next to him, Sorloth from Sociedad up front. That these guys are are good. So Spain must have must have been not bad to, to turn them over 3 0, Barry. Yeah, um, I think Norway didn't, Norway miss Haaland, you know, that goes without saying. Um, and they're just not as effective without them. They, they don't carry the same attacking threat. And there's not that fear, and, op- and, op- and opponents would be the same if Scotland were playing them. If Haaland's out, you're saying, right, you know, we've got a right shout here. If Haaland's playing, you're thinking, Christ, you know, mm-hmm. maybe just stay in the house. <laughs> uh, so, I think Spain, Spain have obviously got themselves off to a good start. Um, their, their manager, as you said, Andy, rightly so, is, is inexperienced at, at the senior international level. I think that's in, uh, something in Scotland's advantage. Steve Clark is an experienced manager. He's been in the Scotland job four years now almost and knows the, knows the, the, the drill, knows the scene, knows what he's doing. Yeah, I'm not saying I agree with every decision that he makes because like most fans, you don't, but Overall, I don't think you can argue with his record as Scotland manager. So, and we're in a, in a situation where we've got momentum, um, had a right good 2022, other than the World Cup playoff. Uh, and I think that's now 11, 11 wins out of 14 compet- competitively. The last 14 competitive games have produced 11 wins for Scotland. So, I can't think of a, yeah. I can't think of a time when that's ever been the case since I've been alive anyway. So, you know, if we're, if we're going to do it, I think it's going to be now because... There's so much stuff in our favour. Well, if we do go and get the job done against Spain, Callum, we'll be hearing a wee bit more of 500 Miles because the goal music has reverted back to it, which I love. I, I wasn't really all about bits and pieces, to be honest, but there's a, it, it drew a bit of a conversation. What, what about you? Because I think you must be, you know, you'll be in the younger generation, the Scottish FA, perhaps we're trying to um, endear by changing the, the goal music to bits and pieces, but what do you think? I'm a I'm a classics man, Andy. I'm a classics man. Five hundred miles for me is the, the Scotland goal song. That's I might be young, but it's what I it's what I grew up with. You know, my, my dad would take me to games when I was seven, eight year old and you know it's albeit I was very young for these 
<laughs> Gary Caldwell against France and go against Italy and even Spain and, and Germany the last last time we played Spain. Um, but yeah, do I, do I like bits and pieces on a night out? Yes, but is it, <laughs> is it for me after Scotland score? No. The only thing maybe is do you play a, I think I think Celtic do it well, um, you know, but, but like for a, for example, McTominay scores at the weekend, do you play his kind of what, what's it, heart, heartache, yeah. is it, the, the song? Um, do you maybe play that? Do you play the we've got McGinn if he scores, you know, but I think 100%, 500 miles is, is the Scotland song and yeah, I hope we can hear it on Tuesday at least once. <laughs> you happy to hear its return, Barry? Uh, I'm going against the grain here. I'm a traditional guy. I like when you, if your team scores, who gives a, you don't need music to, con- <laughs> you know, to accompany it. You, you're screaming your head off and you're jumping about with your pals and the players are on the pitch celebrating and the roar of the crowd is what I like to hear personally. I, I, don't, I don't particularly like celebratory music after a goal, but I think differently to a lot of people on a lot of subjects, so I'll leave <laughs> it at that. <laughs> Well, it's, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be hearing the roar of the crowd regardless of whether it's accompanied by music or not. But yeah, so Spain at Hamden tomorrow. Now, we seem to be in agreement mostly that there will be one or two changes maximum. So Gunn, Porteous, Hanley, Tierney. Question mark over the right-hand side, but probably Hickey. McTominay, Jack, McGregor, Robertson, McGinn Dykes. Do we, th- do we think that will be the team? If for me, yes, with the only possible exception of um, if it's not McTominay, then it will be Christie and, and McGinn would then fill McTominay's role in, the, in that midfield three and Christie would be in behind Dykes. That's the, the only alteration I think there might be. Right, OK. Well, a great game in the offing. Hopefully Scotland can go and make it six points, two wins from two at the start of the group. What a start it would be if we can beat the first seeds in our second game before some tricky games in June against Georgia. Uh, and Norway as well um, later on I think it's George no it's Norway first then Georgia at Hamden yeah. yeah so yeah uh, tricky games in June hopefully we can approach them with six points so Callum Barry thanks very much for joining us and we'll be back on Wednesday or Thursday with a chat about how the Spain game has gone fingers crossed we're talking about three points Sports Social Podcast Network <laughs> 